0: Larry and I want to invite uh, uh, Levon and Glenn if you'll come on up here and and uh, share with us. They were on the mission trip in early uh, June to Costa Rica, to a slum area of San Jose called Terraces, and so uh, I've asked them to come and share with us a little bit uh, about that. And of course, you'll get to hear more of a full picture a week from uh, tonight, but. Um, Anyway, I'm so glad. Thank you for both for being willing to come and share, and and uh, um, you did so well the first service. I'm eager for you to do that here again. Uh, Levon, can we start with you and, and share with us some of that the story?
1: Thank you. Yes. Um, if you could take the next slide, please. This is us. This is our mission team. Mission team before we left um, Epley Airfield in Omaha early at o dark 30 on June 2nd. Um, I am one of many, several, who, this was their first mission trip, and I felt comfortable and confident going along because of who we had on that mission trip, being Glenn and um, Chuck Cornwell as well. Um, we had a, a, a group of very diverse individuals. We have met several times before, but not everyone had been together, but, but yet God brought us together for his purpose, and because of that, we, we bonded very quickly. Our first um, orientation with Gretel, uh, the director of Christ for the City International, was on the Sunday, the first day that we had um, in country. And one of the things that she taught us was an acronym SPHINK. And S is for SMILE, which is a universal language. That was my concern was, I I didn't know the language. Uh, Glenn's wife, Barb, made a a really great uh, list of casual phrases to use, but I didn't use it as often as I should have. Thank you, Barb. Um, the, the second letter was F for be flexible, I for imaginative, to be creative, and the last was NC for no complaining. Yeah. And we did very well. Um, Gretel was is a powerful, on-fire person for God, and she led us through that week. Um, it was very humbling to be available for God. Um, not knowing what was going to have some plans, but they always changed, and we had to be, again, flexible. If you'd show us the next slide, please. This is the view from the second floor of the center that was built there with um, funds and support from Faith Westwood. Um, you can see just kind of an overview of the community. Um, the morning of one of the first days, Holly and I and Gabrielle met with women from Tarasas, and they were there learning the trade of sewing. Um, One woman shared some of her her accomplishments with us, and it was uncomfortable, very uncomfortable to begin with, but we basically started by introducing ourselves, um, and I told them the story of the woman at the well. And to share with them the story of living water. And the living water was available to them as well as to myself and, and the others in the group. Um, that afternoon was the time when we celebrated God with the children. And if you go to the next slide, this is a picture of me with that funny little hat. And um, Holly is on the left, Holly Timberlake, I'm in the blue. And three of the children that joined us. Um, at the Bible school that we had each afternoon, and not just one afternoon, but they came back the next day, and they brought their friends, and they brought their moms, and they brought more friends, and we celebrated God with them, playing games and having a safe place for them all to be, and that was the most powerful part of the trip, is just to be available. We planted seeds when we were there, and we don't know if the ground was rocky or fertile, but we planted seeds, and we hope to go back and see those those seeds and those children that have grown in their in their love of Christ. Yeah. Uh,
0: thank you, and I know you're planning to share more, and will, will most of the team be there next Sunday?
1: Yes, I believe, yes we do. We have a, um, all the team members, and Glenn's going to talk about several of, of um, the individuals that were there as well, and so you'll okay. be able to hear Great. not just our stories and expansion but um, their stories as well. Yeah.
0: Well Glenn tell us about you. I know
2: you've got some neat pictures to share and stories as well. Yes thank you. I've been blessed to be able to go three times to Tarasas with Faith Westwood. And this picture brings you back to 2014 the first time that we were able to go there mm-hmm. with Pastor Steve and quite a few others. Um, and this was the first day rolling up to the first Bible school of terraces is the name um, none of us i don't think we're expecting to see what appeared to be a jail with uh, children inside looking through the bars but they're smiling welcoming us to the bible school the building on the left you can see a corner of the building on the left at that time when we rolled up the first day we didn't know that that is a thriving active crack house um, where young people and middle-aged People, old people, were purchasing bags of crack for very small amounts of money. Um, you can see they're paying in coins, so you know that is almost nothing. And they, they call that drug on the street. They call it regrese, which is come back, because it may be cheap, but you're gonna ha- you you lose your choice. You have to come back. Next slide, please. This is already the second trip that I was able to go on I, the the following year. You can tell it's the second trip because the walls are painted. It's bright and light inside. The way that building looked the first year was even. It looked even worse inside than it did outside. There was very little It was. There was no wiring in there. The wiring had out all, all. Everything had been stolen, literally down to the studs. And so any lighting that they had was strung in with uh, cords. So this is our VBS that we did. Um, there was. I could have shown many people's pictures but I chose Linda Fowler she she was the prettiest one Um, next slide please this is we did prayer walks Um, we were led to people's homes where we delivered food staples and had prayers for the families and brought here we're we're delivering stuffed animals to the children that's Wendy in the background receiving a, a stuffed animal Wendy was, uh, very been special to our ministry. Um, her mother has passed away since that slide was taken. Um, next slide, please. This is also the inside of a house. Leaving the house, Carol, I believe there, is watching her step, because it's um, difficult to even get out the door. You know, I, I think probably in, in, on farms in Nebraska, the animals are living better than this. Next slide, please. This is also the, the second trip. We were humbled and honored to be able to stand on holy ground. I call this holy ground. That's a slab of concrete, which had been the crack house. The, f- the first year we were there, we were all disturbed to see the, the, sales, the drug sales that were going on on the sidewalk. Literally, the children's are sometimes under the feet of the, of the sales going on. That's how close it was. We we prayed with one of the doormen who was directing traffic to the crack house. We put our hands on the building and we asked we asked God to um, make a change there. And we were I was very surprised that God um, there was a fire that came that summer. A few months later, um, the police department had come in and raided that house many times, and. On um, the night, I think, of the fifth raid, that house burned. Um, I th- my personal belief is they, they were embarrassed to have our international ministry there and at the Bible school and for us to see that. And so the police finally were fed up with it, and I, I believe they, they set the fire. So that was all that was left of it. And our church was able to purchase the property, well, help, help purchase the property so that both buildings could then become one new facility that would be a nice place for a drop-in center for children on the street of Tarasos. Next slide. This is the same on standing on the slide on this on the slab looking out over the city. I think this is the city on the hill that cannot be hidden. Um, There's a verse in Matthew, Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A city on the hill cannot be hidden. And the vision there that's coming to fruition now cannot be hidden the people can see what is happening in Tarasas at that Bible school next slide please this is also the former crack house the children painted we we got the paint we had a great day of painting Um, and that's literally the front door of the former crack house the little girl is I don't know if you can see her face but she's just brilliant with a smile um, and so th- this is the transformation that we were able to witness in Tarasos. Next slide, please. So this year, this is this year in June, we were able to go again. And this time, we, before we had worked with the small children and it was wonderful, but we see many older children. And I believe Darren and his friends had the idea to have a basketball camp and I didn't know how this was going to work. How are you gonna recruit children that you don't know, don't speak the same language, to come and do a basketball camp. Well, I found out the formula is to get Mr. Charles Wilson. He's huge, he played professional ball, basketball in, in Europe. To get, you get a little tiny child's bike and you get him to, on the first morning to r- ride down the hill and, and welcome everybody, wave and smile, they will come. Next slide, please. Mr. Jeff, showing his stuff, showing his smile. Um, That's what he does. He's with two young boys who the first day were strung out on drugs. They didn't wanna play ball. Um, After they got a taste of it, they couldn't get enough of it. They were there the second day before we arrived wanting to high five um, the basketball folks. Next slide, please. And this is the last slide. Um, On the left is Rashad. He is a graduate of the Omaha Street School, which is a Christian ministry. It's a school that takes um, students who have been expelled from every other school that you can go to. This is the last place that you can go. Rashad is a graduate of there. He's, He's 23 years old now, and he's being mentored by Charles Wilson, who is an administrator of the Omaha Street School. So he was able to go with us. He's a fantastic basketball player. He has a great smile, and he was able to attract and love on so many, so many people in Terrazas. Everybody wanted to be posing and high-fiving with, with Rashad. The man on the right, I'm sorry, I don't know his name, but I call him Grace number three.
0: Yeah.
2: He is a, king, a local kingpin of the drug traffic trade. He was standing outside the basketball court with a whistle like a referee whistle, blowing in different patterns. The children that are playing on the court are working for him. If he, if he blew it in a certain pattern, one of the children had to run, leave the court and go find out what, what their task was for the day. Um, we gave basketball jerseys. That's Grace University of Omaha that, that just canceled, that just closed. We gave jerseys and shoes to the children that played basketball with us. This man did not, but on the second day, he showed up wearing a grace jersey that he had, you know, he's the top of the food chain there. So he, he doesn't know probably, he didn't speak a word of English, but he doesn't know what the word grace means. But, um, but we believe in, in, in the power of God that um, God can also work in his life, and um, it's just been such an honor to be part of this ongoing ministry You need to come next Sunday night and hear a lot more stories. I'm just barely skimming the surface of what can be told about the miracles that we saw.
0: Well, uh, thank you both. And one of the things I'd I'd like to do is just bring us all together in praying for the, the people you got to know and encounter and the ministry happening there that's continuing, even in our absence. So, Glenn, would you, would you like to lead us in, the, in praying?
2: I'm just going to read a few names. I can't, I can't begin to cover all the names. But God knows what everybody's name is. But I'll, I'll mention some of the people that we've uh, been honored to meet and work with. Dear God, we want to lift up the people of Tarasas, uh, the Christ for the City staff members, uh, including Andrea, Ariel, and Gretel, who are leaders there. We want to lift up Carlos Mesteyer, who we've worked with in Costa Rica, who's now living in Omaha. We pray for his Hispanic ministry here in Omaha. We pray for C- Pastor Christian, who's working with young men on the street who are the least of these. Lord, we ask you to give your power to, to that ministry. Pray for Emily, who is a young prostitute, we pray for Wendy, who lost her mother. We pray for Horacio and Esther, who dreamed of this, this wonderful um, ministry that's come to and come in, and is producing fruit now in Tarasas. And we pray for Rashad, and, and also we, we include Grace number three. You know what his name is, and we know that you can work a miracle in his life, and we ask you to... To do that. Um, we thank you for showing us all these miraculous things. We thank you for the gifts that um, our congregation has been able to provide to make the, some of these things happen. But we know the, the power is in you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you both very much. Thank you. And uh, just a reminder that that uh, Share Your Story service is a week from tonight, 6.30 in the chapel. Uh, so you'll want to take the, come in the, the west doors, the west entrance, and then turn right down the hall just past the restrooms, you'll find the chapel. Um, two weeks ago we started a series called Transition Times, and all the scriptures in this series are from the book of Numbers. Uh, Anybody know why it's called the book of Numbers? Why it's called Numbers? Lots of numbers. Uh, It has two census lists in it. Uh, And and during this time in the book of Numbers, the Israelites are in transition. Uh, They've left Mount Sinai where, you know, Moses went up and and they came back down with the Ten Commandments. And, And they've not yet entered the Promised Land. So they're in transition uh, and they're spending 40 years wandering the wilderness because that first generation refused to trust God and enter the promised land. So that privilege is now awaiting the next generation. So geographically, where are we now in the book of Numbers? Well, they, they are in the Sinai Peninsula, which is a little triangle between Egypt and Saudi Arabia. And it is a harsh, rocky desert. There's an occasional oasis, but at certain times of the year, that oasis may or may not have any water for you. And our scripture that we're in today is nearer the end of their 40-year wait. So I'm going to ask you to open your Bible to uh, Numbers chapter 20. Uh, and if you're using the Pew Bible, it's on page 154. And if you are here today, you don't have a Bible to read at home and you wish you did have one, then today's a good day. You get to take that pew Bible home. You can have it and keep it. And uh, our ushers will stick another one in after worship. Now, verse 1 in chapter 20 tells us in the first, it says, in the first month, uh, which in the Hebrew calendar was in spring, In the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin and they stayed at Kadesh. The desert of Zin is along the northern edge of that Sinai Peninsula Triangle. Here's a picture uh, of some people uh, walking along in the desert of Zin, uh, which they're actually walking upon that, that little bit of a stream bed that, Usually doesn't have any water in it, but that's where they are. Uh, And that also says in verse 1 that that's where Miriam died and was buried. Uh, You may remember Miriam is Moses' older sister. She was the one who, you know, when when Moses was a baby and, and their mom put him in a basket and sent him out on the Nile River to try to protect him from the, you know, Pharaoh's people and... And it was Miriam, the older sister, who watched that basket, kept an eye on so to make sure he was safe. So now Miriam dies. Later in chapter 20, Moses' brother Aaron will also die, as will virtually everyone of that generation there in the desert. So when the Israelites arrive at Kadesh, Kadesh would be probably that old little oasis area, they don't find any water. And you can imagine what that's like I mean you're already dehydrated you are thirsty and you are cranky and they turn to Moses and they say this is your fault so Moses Turns to God. He and his brother, they, they go into the uh, sort of the traveling temple, uh, was also called in the Bible the tabernacle, or here it's called the tent of meeting. And, and it's sort of like this is the, the focus of the presence of God for the people. And, and they go in there and they bow down and they get really low, like their faces are to the ground. And the Bible says that God shows up. That the, the glory of God is there. You look at verse 6. It says, The glory of the Lord appeared to them. Now, what that looked like, it doesn't say, so I'm not really sure. But there are other times when, when it described the glory of God appearing as sort of a glowing cloud. Or at least that's the best they could come up with what it, what it was that they saw. And, and then from there, God speaks to Moses and Aaron. So if you would, follow with me in verses 7 and 8. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they so they and their livestock can drink. So God tells Moses to do 3 things. Take your staff gather the community, talk to the rock. Pretty simple stuff, right? I mean, it's really clear, just three things. Take your staff, gather the community, talk to the rock. And what does Moses do? He takes his staff, he gathers the people, but Moses does not talk to the rock. Did you notice that in verse 11? Follow along with me. Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Moses, what are you thinking? You weren't supposed to strike the rock with your staff. You were supposed to talk to the rock and command it to to give water. Instead, he hits it with his shepherd's staff. Moses, why why did Moses do this? Well, I believe the answer may come actually 40 years earlier in the book of Exodus. Now, if you go back to the book of Exodus chapter 17, the Israelites have just recently escaped Egypt by the mighty hand of God. And they're on their way to the, to the southern part of the Sinai Peninsula, down to uh, where Mount Sinai is. And then that's where they're going to get the Ten Commandments and, and other stuff. And on their way there, they come to a place where there's supposed to be water, but it's dry. You know what this picture is? Any of you recognize it? It's in Nebraska. That is Smith Falls, right? Along the Niobarra River. And I remember, I don't know if it's kind of boarded up now, you can get in there now, but I remember canoeing, and then you stop at Smith Falls, and I have stood under those falls. Let it pour down that clear, cold water over me. Have any of you ever done that? Yeah, it's pretty nice. So imagine you arrive at Smith Falls, and it's stone dry. The river's dried up, and the falls are not given even a trickle of water. In Exodus 17, uh, God tells Moses to, and so this was a 40 years earlier, God tells Moses to take his staff and strike the rock. So Moses takes his staff and he strikes the rock and water pours forth like a spring. Now, 40 years later, in a different part of the Sinai Peninsula, the people need water again. But God wants Moses to to do it differently speak to the rock this time moses but moses remembers the old way of doing it he, he 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 wants to take his stick he when he wants to stick to his old tried and true ways the true formula that he remembers before besides when you got a staff you just want to hit stuff with it right that's what a staff is for and I think back to the plagues in Egypt. The Lord told Moses to, uh, to strike the water of the Nile River and, and with his staff. And so Moses took the staff and he struck the, the water of the Nile River and it began to turn blood red. And all the fish died. And the water stank so badly nobody could drink it. And then there was a time that the Lord told Moses to raise his staff over all the rivers and the ponds and the streams. And then that's when the frogs began hopping and merging out of the water and just driving everybody crazy. And then Moses lifted his staff to the sky and brought a plague of hail upon the Egyptians. And another time he raises his staff and the Lord blows in with the east wind, a plague of locusts. And do you remember how the Israelites crossed the sea when, they, when Pharaoh's army was chasing him in the, in the, uh, with their chariots? Moses raised his staff, like God told him to do, raised his staff over the water. And the Bible says a strong wind blew all night and backed up the waters. That trusty old staff. I mean, it's like a, it's like a friend, you know? You don't want to part with a friend like that. This is, it's seen him through a lot. But this time, for reasons not given, God wants Moses to take the staff with him and speak to the rock. That's how God wants this miracle to happen. So the question is, Moses, are you going to trust your staff or trust God? Are you going to trust your staff or are you going to trust God? And and the question for us is this Will you follow the formula of what worked in the past or will you obey what God wants you to do now? We love our formulas, don't we? I mean, we, pastors especially. We like our formula. I know pastors that you know they change churches every four years because they got four years worth of sermons, and they're going to give those same four years worth of sermons every place they go because that's their formula. It works for them. And and, and uh, churches, you know, we are notorious, and we're, we're church people. I mean, most of us here, uh, and we're, we're notorious for resisting change. Someone once said, "The seven last words of the church are." We've never done it this way before, right? You've heard that. Yeah. Formula, when you have a formula, that means you're in control because you got the formula. Formulas mean we have the answer. We've got it down. Have you ever noticed how Jesus avoided any kind of formula when it came to doing his miraculous healings? Uh, one time he touches a man with leprosy, just touches him, which is a powerful thing to do because, you know, in those days you just didn't touch anybody with leprosy. He touched the man and said, Be clean. And the, and the guy's leprosy just goes away. Uh, but another time he tells 10 lepers to go and show themselves to the priest. And so, while they're on their way, and they've still got this leprosy on their way, their leprosy goes away. They're made clean. Very different way. One time, Jesus, instead of him touching the person, the person touches him. She touches him, touches the edge of his his cloak. And then right after that, Jesus goes to a 12-year-old girl who has just died, and he takes her by the hand and says, My child, get up. And then there's a time Jesus does a long-distance miracle. He heals the Roman centurion's servant without even going near the house. At one time, Jesus restores the sight to a blind man by saying, just simply with words, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. And then another time, Jesus, he does this thing where he he spits on the ground. Remember that? and he makes a little mud paste out of saliva and dirt, and he, and he puts it on the man's eyes and then tells him to go and wash it off in the pool. And when the man goes and washes it off, he can see. Jesus did not follow a, a set formula like, okay, I'm going to do it this way, and I'm going to follow this formula every time I'm going to heal somebody. And he, Because if he did, you know what we'd be doing? We'd be trying to follow the formula instead of Jesus. We'd be, wanting to, we'd be wanting to follow the formula instead of listening to God. So, let's say this together, shall we? Will you follow the formula of the past, or will you obey God now? And, of course, we always come up with formulas. I mean, that's kind of part of the superstition. If, you, if, you're, if you're a baseball player and you're in the playoffs, I mean, some of these guys, they don't change their socks until... you know, to the whole end of the series, right? Because that's their formula. They want it to work. We want to have this little thing we can control. Maybe your faith formula has always been this. Show up on Sunday, drink some coffee, eat a donut, sit through the service and go home. That's a formula, right? And that's a formula that has worked well for you. You are comfortable with that formula. And then you hear LaVon and Glenn talk about their trip to Costa Rica. And for the first time in your life, you begin imagining yourself outside of the formula. You imagine yourself, well, what if I did something like that? But then you go, oh, no, but I didn't follow the formula. Uh, maybe, maybe uh, you know, because your formula it works. You know, you show up on Sunday, you drink some coffee, you eat a donut, you sit through the service, you go home. Now, what are you going to do? Will you follow the formula of the past, or will you obey God now? Now, maybe you've got a different kind of formula, because there are all kinds of formulas. Uh, For some people might say, well, my formula is I go to worship on Sunday, I go to my small group, uh, and then I usher one Sunday a month. But when it comes to my money and what movies I watch, that's none of God's blankety-blank business. That's my formula. I've been doing it this way for years, and I'm going to stick with it. Will you follow the formula of the past? Or will you obey God? now. You know, churches have formulas. We call them traditions. You know, and some of those are good. Good things. You know, I, you know, the signature ministry of Faith Westwood for about 40 years, the signature ministry was a youth choir called Soul Seekers. It was wonderful. I wish you know, I could have been here during the heyday uh, of, of Soul Seekers. You know, I have led youth choirs. I've been on uh, a tour, a uh, summer week, week-long tour of, of a choir like Soul Seekers before. Now, by the time I got here, Soul Seekers was just a shadow of what it had once been. And a few years after that, uh, shortly before their summer week-long tour, a couple of the other students had to drop out. And we had to make the decision for the first time in probably 40 years to cancel the tour. And shortly after that, I started raising the question, do we keep it going? Or do we pull the life support off of this ministry? It was a really hard decision. It was not one I wanted to make or even have the church make. But in the end, we did decide to let it go. You know, and, and I, don't, I don't want to be the kind of person who, who just wants to do everything new and just get rid of stuff just because it's been around for a while. But sometimes we just, we hang on to things just because they've always worked in the past or they used to work in the past even though we realize that their day has come and gone. Will you follow the formula of the past? Or will you obey what God says now? I want you to know, too, if you, if you missed last Sunday where we had, our, we had a bunch of students up here uh, sharing about their, their summer mission trip, you missed something pretty grand. Hearing those students share about... Uh, about and, and being able to express it in terms of what it means to be a, believer, a follower of Jesus. Because you see, that's what we're about. We're about following Jesus, not following a formula. And sometimes it's really hard to let go of what worked for us in the past. You know, Moses, he loved that old staff He liked the feel of it in his hands. And God says, yeah, you can hold the staff. But this time I want you to speak to the rock. And I'm not exactly sure if I know why, but I think maybe it's because God didn't want the Israelites to think that there was something magic about the staff. God wanted them to know that, that he was the source of the power. And not some stick that somebody's been carrying around for 40 years. Well, because Moses disobeys, he will not be allowed to enter the promised land. You see, even when God forgives us, there are still consequences when we disobey. Right? You know that? Even when God forgives us, we still have to live with the consequences of our disobedience. Never assume that that there are no consequences to our actions. So, with that in mind, will you follow the formula of the past or will you obey God now? Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we thank you that you can uh, be at work in our hearts and lives. And, and we with a rich past and the way you have brought us up through that, and yet, Lord, we don't want to be bound to that past. We don't want to be confined to that and to certain formulas that we feel comfortable with. So, Lord, lead us on. Lead us into this future uh, in maybe different ways of doing things. Uh, Lord, we want to continue to be true to your word. We want to continue to be be faithful to what you have told us in scripture. And yet, Lord, we want to find out how you want us to apply it now. Show us, Lord. We want to obey you wherever you lead us. And we pray this all in Jesus' great name and all God's people said, Amen. amen.